God doesn't have grandchildren, right? You know, just because I'm Billy Graham's daughter doesn't mean I'm God's child. And then I had to grow in that relationship through my daily Bible reading, my prayer, my obedience. And then when hard things come my way, I don't run home to my father or my mother when she was here, but I have to learn how to handle that between God and myself. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Today, we're talking about fixing our eyes on Jesus. Our special guest, well, you don't want to miss this. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day. friend Dr. Tim Clinton. This is Life, Love, and Family. Dr. Tim, as I think about it and even look around and and watch the news, you can tell that people are hurting. And at the same time, there seems to be a real hunger for God. People are searching. Boy, Bill, they sure are. I think the pace, the pressure, the pain of modern day life has taken over so much that we're desperate. We're hoping that God's there. We're hoping that He cares, Bill. If only... I could reach out and touch him. If I could see him. Oh, I want to believe him. I think that's where most people are at, Bill. Today, our special guest is going to join us to really help reset our spiritual compass. And many of you are going, yeah, I need that today. Anne Graham Lotz is with us, Billy Graham's daughter. You know, she's called the best preacher in the family by her dad, named one of the five most influential evangelists of her generation by the New York Times. Anne has a very clear message and that's to bring revival around the world and welcome to life love and family thank you so much i just appreciate 
the opportunity to be on and do what we can to focus people's attention on Jesus. And as we get started, the words of Jesus were to take up our cross and follow him. What did Jesus really mean by that? You know, it's so interesting because he didn't mean that we're to go out and impale ourselves on some wooden cross. You know? <laughs> I think it means that we're to die to ourselves. So what we want, what we think, what we ask for, we're to die to our wills and just take on his will for our lives that may include suffering, may include things that we don't like or don't feel good. In fact, if I can give you an illustration, this past December, my husband had a 911 call. He was rushed to the hospital, and he had a MRSA staph infection, which is the kind of staph you don't want to get because it's almost incurable. And he's uh, a diabetic. He's on dialysis. He's lost his kidney function, so he's on dialysis three times a week, and his port had become infected, and they had to completely take it out. And so when he was rushed to the hospital and and before we knew exactly what was going on, we knew it was life-threatening. And I was praying, God, heal him, heal him, make him better, make him... And he was getting worse every day. And then came the day when they said he had MRSA. So I came home and said, I just don't get this. You know, I've been praying and asking. And in my devotions that day was that verse that says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll hear you and answer it. I started to skip over it, and then I thought, no, you know, I'm going to go back and say, God, I want to ask you about this promise because it's not working for me. I'm asking you, and instead of my husband getting better, he's getting worse. So what God did, he just brought to my mind that, Ann, you're not asking in my will. So I asked him, I said, what is your will? Is it not your will that my husband get better? And there was this silence, you know, so I asked him again, do you not want Danny to get better? And then what came to my mind was his will was that he wanted to do in Danny, something that was different than just a physical healing. He wanted to do a work in Danny's spirit, in his heart. And so in a sense, I had to die to my desire for Danny to get better. And I came alongside God's will and began to pray for God to complete inside of Danny what he wanted, that he would work in Danny's spirit and heart in whatever purpose he had from being in the hospital, that that he would do that in his heart. And He was there for about three weeks in the hospital, and it was life and death. But I saw God work in his heart, do just miracle after miracle. We've been married. This is our 47th year. And I saw some spiritual growth in my husband that was really beautiful. He just fell in love with Jesus in a fresh way. And then when God had finished what he wanted to do, then then he made him better, you know, and brought him home on December 28th. And he's still, you know, we're taking care of him, and he's not going to be where he was before he went to the hospital. But on the inside, he's so much stronger and more vibrant in his faith. So that's just a small recent example of where I had to, in a sense, take up my cross and die to what I wanted for my husband and release that and say, God, what do you want? And when I came in alongside what God wanted, then God did what he wanted, but then he ended up giving me what I wanted, which was to give my husband back. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so hard, especially when your eyes are full of challenge and darkness, to believe that God is there and that he cares for us. A lot of people listening may say, I want to bring eyes of hope to my life, and I'm desperately praying that God will do something, but I'm in that three-week period where I can't see very well. What do you tell a person who's in the midst of that darkness right now? I'll tell them what I did. Every morning I got up early before I went to the hospital, and I read my Bible, and not whole portions at a time, but um, in God's Word every day. So I would just pick up where I left off. There were some mornings I couldn't get into it as deeply as I wanted, so I'd just read my devotional material, which are all Bible-based. They're not just people's thoughts, but they're scriptures. And I would just read and ask God to speak to me, because, you know, I can't pull myself out of a funk like that. I can't manufacture or manipulate or work up 
good feelings and positive attitude, especially when my husband is at death's door. But God can do that for me. When God speaks into my life, in a moment's time, my perspective can change. My attitude can change. One, I would challenge listeners, even before a hard time comes, because we never know when they're going to come, right? Hard times and problems are just part of human life. And so in preparation, every day we need to be in God's Word, every day in prayer, every day living out our lives in obedience to what He says, so that we build that firm foundation of faith, so when the storms of life come, we don't have to quit go build our foundation. You know, it's already there, and then we just fall back on what we know, and God carries us through. I don't want you to misunderstand me. There were days I got discouraged. There were days I wept. In fact, I called one friend one morning going to the hospital and said I wasn't sure I could hang on that day. I felt like I was going under. And so right there on the phone, she said, Ann, I'm going to pray for you that in the next 30 minutes, you're going to have an encounter with God, that he's going to give you a fresh touch. I hung up the phone. I was in my car. I got out of my car in the parking lot of the hospital. I met two friends who ran up to me, hugged me, gave me this wonderful news and this encouragement of something that God had done for them. And I knew by the time I got to the front door of the hospital, God had met me in a fresh way, letting me know that he was there, he was at work in that hospital, and he was going to see us through. So I would just challenge those who are listening to get into God's Word, build a strong, vibrant, personal relationship with God that's the foundation for life. And when the storms of life come, you may be, you know, you may cry and you may weep and you may have days when you feel overwhelmed, but he'll take you through because God is alive, he is real, he does love you, his will is best, and he has a plan. You know, he's working his plan. And so sometimes it's very different than ours. You're listening to Life, Love, and Family. Our special guest is Anne Graham Lotz. When did your faith, not your father's faith, but it became your faith, the day that you said, this is for me personally? Do you remember that day? My father and my mother and my grandparents laid a wonderful foundation in our home, and they lived a life of authentic faith before us. But that doesn't really do me any good until I make it my own. So when I was a little girl, you know, I was seven, eight, or nine, I can't remember the year. I remember Good Friday, I saw a picture of Jesus on TV, and it was a portrayal of the life of Christ. And the crucifixion scene struck me so deeply that I knew Jesus had died for me. And so I got on my knees as a little girl, and I told God I was sorry for my sin. I asked him to forgive me. I claimed Jesus as my Savior. I I believe he died for me. And as a little girl, I believe I was born again into God's family. So I established that personal relationship when I was small. And I think one reason is because of the atmosphere that was set in my home by my parents. But then I had to establish that relationship for myself because God doesn't have grandchildren, right? You know, just because I'm Billy Graham's daughter doesn't mean I'm God's child. And then I had to grow in that relationship through my daily Bible reading, my prayer, my obedience. And then when hard things come my way, I don't run home to my father or my mother when she was here. You know, you might call and share something with them and get them to pray, but I have to learn how to handle that between God and myself. You know, so I have to grow in my own faith. So Billy Graham was a strong leader, but to be honest, he was a great leader because he served a great God and he kept his focus. And God used him for his own purposes you look at people in Scripture, they were ordinary men and women that were used for extraordinary purposes because they made their lives available to God. And I see my father as a very ordinary man who became extraordinary simply because he made his life available, and he just poured himself out. And I don't want to be like my daddy. You know, I don't want to have his life. I want to be like him in his Christ-likeness. Don't misunderstand me, but God has a purpose for my life that's distinct and separate from my father's, and I need to discover what that is and by God's help, fulfill His purpose for my life. And they say that the eye is the gateway of the soul. 
your voice right now, your messaging is really trying to get people to gaze or to fix their eyes on Jesus, no matter what their circumstances are, no matter where they're at. Yet we're challenged and we've got eyes full of sadness. Maybe we have red eyes full of anger, green eyes full of envy, black eyes even filled with evil. How do we see him in new ways? Well, you know that the eyes are the gateway of life, and I really think that means not just your eyes, your focus. And I think it's speaking of your focus, and that requires a choice of your will. You have to choose where you're going to focus. And you can focus on people who have hurt you and get angry. You can focus on wounds and be hurt. You can focus on grief and be sad. Wherever you choose to focus... So for myself, I've experienced those things, you know, the wounding and the hurt and the grief and some of these other things, but I'm not going to focus on that. I choose to focus on Jesus, and I put a little introduction to this devotional that we're talking about today, and I told the story when I was younger. I was a teenager in the western part of North Carolina, and I went hiking with a friend. It was a 14-mile hike, and we got lost in this huge laurel thicket, and I'm not talking about just a clump of bushes. I mean, it went on for maybe half a mile, and we didn't know where to go. And so my friend pulled out a compass. The needle of the compass pointed north, and he turned it so he knew where north was. And as we followed the compass, we got out of the laurel thicket, and we got home. And I believe you and I have a compass in life. God's Word is the compass. And then put our faith in God's Word. And when the the laurel thickets of life come, when we get plunged into something that's confusing, that's hurting, something we don't understand, then we just pull out our compass and God's Word, and we plant our faith in God's Word, and it's God's Word that will lead us home. It's God's Word that keeps us focused. For myself, I can't go a day without being in God's Word to make sure I set my compass so that that needle during the day points north. Uh, And to make that more practical, I get up every morning and read my Bible, and so during the day, so often what I read early that morning is the very thing I need to help me through whatever that is during the day. And modern-day Christianity seems to be in a spin. People are talking about and hungering for God, so there seems like there's a search going on for Him. While at the same time, you see a lot of decline in religious activity, for example, church attendance or Bible reading and more. What are your thoughts about where we're at as a church? You know, I think the church has maybe been out of focus, and we've lost our message, and we've become caught up in politics or many other peripheral things, and the simple basics of Bible reading, prayer, obedience, service, loving our fellow man, has somehow gotten lost in all of the stuff. And I know there are churches today that are booming. I believe there are churches that have just gotten back to those simple basics, because I think one reason people are searching is because they haven't found it in church. They've seen a lot of the hypocrisy, and they've seen a lot of the hype and a lot of the secondary issues, but it's not what meets their needs. And not that we go to church really to meet our needs, but somehow they've lost Jesus in all of the stuff that's being offered at church, or the divisions, or the bickering, or the hypocrisy. And I think the church, I would love to see it get refocused on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, on His Word on obedience to his word, living it out, on prayer, communicating with him, and then reaching a lost world for Christ, because it's not just the church that is searching and floundering, but our world is unraveling. Our world is imploding. And this country, America, is imploding morally and spiritually. When you read what's going on in America, besides the environmental things and and some other things, you can trace almost all of the issues and the problems back to moral and spiritual issues. And we've lost our moral foundation. 
And so we have all of these shootings, we have all of these deceptions, we have all these illegal activities, and it's very concerning because without that moral spiritual compass in our nation, then we're just set loose and we're going to crash. In fact, I believe our nation is under God's judgment. And so this is a time for God's people to know their God, to know what they believe, to be strong in their own faith so that they're solid on their foundation because everything around us is sinking sand and people are going to be crying out for help and we're the ones that need to help them but how can we do that if we're floundering we're racing to the experience everybody wants to get involved in the rah 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 piece but we're to worship the lord and in both spirit and in truth what does that mean well i think in spirit means filled with the holy spirit that we need to first of all have given our hearts to christ and when you invite jesus into your life he comes in in the person of the holy spirit so it means you worship God in spirit, that you have a genuine, authentic relationship with Him that He recognizes because you've placed it in Jesus at the cross. I think it also means in a sincere spirit, in an honest spirit, that you're not trying to play games or pretend or just be curious about God, but that you really are committed and surrendered to Him. So you worship in spirit. Then in truth, I think that means through His person, Jesus Christ, who is the truth, that there's no way to God except through Jesus. And then through the truth of Scripture, which is the written word, and we can't worship God if we're not in our Bibles. To worship in spirit and in truth means to worship and dwell by the Holy Spirit and a right spirit and according to the truth, which is Jesus, and the written word, which is our Bible. And we can worship God and we can know God in a relationship that's satisfying, that's fulfilling, that becomes the joy of our lives, that's like our heartbeat that brings vibrancy when everything around us is dead and unraveling and coming under judgment. In fact, I think what you all were talking about earlier, there's an oppression in our world today. There is a a feeling of angst and unsettledness in our spirits. And I believe, Bill, you're the one that's written a book on spiritual warfare. And I feel the spiritual warfare today is uh, the most intense it's been in, in my lifetime. And I talk to Christian leaders all over the world, and they'll tell you the same thing. And so there's an enormous spiritual attack on God's people and on the church today and on the families of God's leaders. And this is a time we've got to be strong in our faith. And our faith is rooted in the Word of God and based on the character of God. And He's going to see us through. And I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. Those times where I wrestle with God, I get confused, I doubt. There are a lot of people listening who would say, that's where I'm at. I want to embrace God. I want to believe He's there for me. I'm just struggling. Somebody help me find my way through. I would suggest that person tell God that you cry out to God, and you don't have to be fancy in your prayer. You just say, God, I'm struggling. Would you reveal yourself to me? If you're out there, I want to know you. I want you to show up in my life. And then open your eyes, open your ears for little ways that you may encounter him. Yesterday, uh, to be honest, I was very discouraged. And I, I asked the Lord in the morning, I said, I just need some encouragement today. I just need you to let me know that you're at work in certain areas of my life. And this morning, I was going back over yesterday just in my mind, and I could pick out four things where God clearly moved to encourage me through four different circumstances, and I knew he had answered my prayer. Do you remember in um, Exodus 34 when Moses said, God, show me your glory. God, you need to show up in my life. I want to know you. And God's glory is his character. So Moses was saying, God, I'm struggling right now. I'm leading all of these people. I want to know you. Are you there? And God said, all right, Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock, and I'm going to put my hand over you. Then I'm going to take my hand away, and I'll pass by, and you'll see my backside. And so I believe what God was saying was sometimes he puts you and me like Moses in a hard place 
the cleft of a rock is a hard place. And he'll put his hand on us so that we'll be in a hard place, but we'll know his presence is with us. And then he'll remove our hand so we actually feel abandoned by God. We feel that we're all alone. But then we see the backside of his glory, which to me is like I did this morning. I looked back on yesterday. Those moments yesterday, I couldn't see his glory. But today, looking back, I could see the four times he passed by and encouraged me through things that had happened. So sometimes in retrospect, we look back and we see God gave us strength to make it through the next day. He was faithful to undergird us and bring us encouragement. He gave us joy in the journey. He gave us peace in our heart. And at the moment, we might not know that's God. But as we come through and we look back, we see it. And we know we've glimpsed his glory. You know, I'm reminded of that Albert Einstein quote, and that says there are really only two ways to live. One is to believe that nothing is a miracle or to believe that everything is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And to really believe that God is who he says he is, that he's actively involved in our lives, that he loves us as dear children. And what father would give his son or daughter a stone? So much the more your heavenly father who is in heaven. And it's just so hard to go there, to believe that, oh yeah, he's good, but I'm just not so sure he can be good toward me. Well, that's where you need to get into the Bible, because God sent Jesus to die on the cross for sinners, not good people. Jesus said he'd come to heal the sick, meaning those who knew they needed him, not those who thought everything was going well and they didn't need God or didn't need a blessing. So if you feel that you're not worthy, if you feel that you're not sure God is there for you, your very sense of need is something that's attractive to him. And so that sense of need is a positive thing in that regard. But I'll tell you something that I keep sort of hearing in your questions, that the person who may be asking these questions as you're paraphrasing them needs to put their faith in God's Word. We don't live by our feelings. There have been so many times when I have felt that I was abandoned by God. I had no feelings to my faith, no feelings of God's presence. But that does not diminish the truth that God is present, because he says in Hebrews chapter 13, and I'll put my name in verses, he says, Anne, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. So regardless of how I feel, I know God is in my life. I know he will not forsake me. So I think people need to stop basing their faith on feelings and get into God's Word and take God at His Word. He's a gentleman. He doesn't lie. He doesn't mock you. He doesn't play games with you. And God's Word is true from Genesis to Revelation. Nouns are nouns. Verbs are verbs. He says what He means, and He means what He says, and you can take Him at His Word. And so you just get in the Bible, and my mother taught me when I was a little girl just to put my name in, like that verse in Hebrews, God will never forsake you. Just put your name in that. And just put your faith in God's Word and take Him at His Word, and then it's a choice to either believe what He says or to say that He's a liar. Your latest work, Fixing My Eyes on Jesus, can you share with us a little bit more about what you hope people will encounter as they go through the pages of this new devotional? You know, it's 366 days, just a scripture at the top, and then I give an application of that scripture with another scripture that reinforces that. You can read it maybe each page in a minute. My point was that many people are busy, 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 and we're running through our days, but if we can just get up in the morning and fix our eyes on Jesus like we're setting that compass and just read that verse, read the application, and who knows during the day it's the very thing that you may need for yourself, or it also may be the very thing you need to share with somebody else. So it's just a way of helping us in this not only busy, busy time, but this time when our world is imploding. It's just a time to fix our eyes on Jesus so that we're 
strong in our faith, and God can use us to help other people in their faith journey so that we don't lose our way, because life is throwing at us all sorts of really terrible things, and I think it's going to get worse. So for our own good, we need to remain focused and keep our focus on Jesus every day. And this little volume is just to help people who are busy put their focus on Jesus every day. No doubt today was a timely message from Anne Graham Lotz, a breath of fresh air to many of us, helping us set that spiritual compass again in our life, Dr. Tim. When I was a boy, Bill, my mother would play that hymn on Sunday mornings getting ready for church. My dad was a pastor. She was the pianist. I can still hear her singing. What's interesting, Bill, is later on in life, she lost her sight, but she could always see him. And she taught me that no matter what was going on in your life, you could see him. Bill, listen to these scriptures. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I might see. Psalm 121, 1, I lift up my eyes to the hill. I can see you, God. Luke 2, 30, My eyes have seen your salvation. 1 Peter 3, 12, For the eyes of the Lord are upon me. I love that. It's all about seeing him no matter what. Today, we want to help you do that. When you go to our website, there's so many things that you're going to find, community through Facebook and Twitter, but you're also going to be able to do this. Listen to the show in its entirety. I know many of you are busy. You didn't catch the first half of the program with Ann, and you're going to want to hear every word. So as you go to our website, you're going to find today's broadcast along with all of our archives of programs. LifeLoveAndFamily.net. Feel free to share that if you want on Facebook to others. I just think today's message is a real message of encouragement. If you're looking for daily moments in His Word, this is for you. Thank you in advance for joining with us financially. Two ways you can go about making that donation today. One, Go to our website, lifeloveandfamily.net. You click on the donation button, you'll see how it works. Very simplistic, will only take you a minute. 
too. You can pick up the phone and you can call us toll free. That number is 855-455-3264. Let me get that to you again nice and slow. 855-455-3264. If you have to remember the number for later, the easiest way to do that is simply this. Toll free, 855-4-LL-FAMILY. Thank you in advance for joining and partnering with Life, Love, and Family. Life, Love, and Family. Women in Depression, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women addicted to alcohol or drugs, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women with anxiety or eating disorders, trauma, and PTSD, get confidential help. Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center, 1-877-257-9612 or timberlineknowles.com. 